a series of sermons from the beginning of Genesis, and this morning we're going to talk about Noah and what I've entitled The Reboot. Noah and the Reboot. And to begin that, I would like to read at verse 9 of chapter 6 of Genesis and read through verse 22. Genesis chapter 6, 9 through 22. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make room in it, make rooms in it, coat it with pitch, inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark. Make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word from this, the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. I guess that perhaps one of the most iconic symbols from the Bible is Noah's Ark. If you were to go right down to our nursery and go in and look around on the walls, you will see pictures of Noah's Ark. And you will see toys in the nursery of Noah's Ark and little animals, two of each, mind you, 
to go into the ark. And probably we have bought our children and grandchildren, maybe our great-grandchildren, Noah's arks to play with. That part of the story is a great part of the story, Noah and the ark. Some years ago, during a Wednesday night program, when we used to run the Logos program for children, in the fifth and sixth grade class, I had them studying the story of the flood and to build an ark where one foot equaled one inch. And out of popsicle sticks, this group of kids built an ark. It ended up being about that long, about that wide, two specifications. And, you know, they were fascinated by the fact that they could build this particular thing based on the measurements that are just given here. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high with a roof which was a novel innovation for shipbuilding back then. So, we have that. It is an iconic image. Advertisers use Noah's Ark for different things. (laughs) I believe the United States government has used Noah's Ark to sell flood insurance. So, we have this story this story of a flood, a great flood. And in the course of humankind, there have been many epic floods across the world. Here in the Mississippi Delta, in 1927, there was the great Mississippi River flood that lasted upwards of six months. 23,000 square miles of the Delta from Memphis down was covered in flood water. It extended halfway across the state of Arkansas in some places. At its widest point, the Mississippi River measured 80 miles wide. That's a lot of water. And 600,000 people were displaced from their homes and their cities Ten years later, it was followed by the great flood of 37. And this year, the Mississippi River has been in flood stage for almost six months. And the only reason that it hasn't been worse is because of the Army's Corps of Engineers and their dike building and maintaining. Robert Drawn used to tell in 38 that his dad would walk the levees on the Mississippi side there in Tunica County to keep the folks from Arkansas coming over and using dynamite to blow up the levee, thus not letting their land be flooded, but letting the Mississippi land be flooded. And so as we can tell, floods, they are a terrible thing and they bring great destruction. And certainly this here accounted in the book of Genesis about a great flood so long ago that we can scarcely hardly believe the scope of it. But the Bible is not the only one who tells of a great ancient flood. 
the ancient texts of Mesopotamia and the clay tablets used to record information by the use of a stylus into wet clay and the cuneiform writing tells of the great flood and it's recorded in the great epic Gilgamesh. And other ancient peoples record the great flood stories that came upon the land back before time was accurately kept and recorded before history was put down into books, the great flood. And so the Bible, here in its opening chapters from creation to the flood, is but six chapters. And here in this story, we come to find out that God did so with a purpose that God brought this great flood because, as he told Noah, that the earth was corrupt and violence filled the earth because of the people that lived in it. Well, let's think about that. The earth was corrupt and violence filled the earth because of the people that were in it. Well, that could speak to our own time. That could speak to many times in the history of the world. We look around the world today, and there is violence of every kind. There is corruption of every kind. There is distraught of every kind. There is sin and wickedness of every kind. So our time is not perhaps so different from the time of Noah as we might imagine it to be. And God, because of all of this, God decided to erase all this by means of a flood. Some commentators have said it was the baptism of the world that God just covered the world and started over. But for whatever it was, it was God's purpose to cover the world and to start over, much like we sometimes in our lives have to reboot our lives. How many of us have had the wonderful and multi time experience of having to reboot our computers because they have died on us. They have become what? They have become corrupted. They have become infected. And so we have to completely redo them so that they are not corrupt any longer. And so this is God's plan. But God is not without mercy even here in this plan. God calls Noah a righteous man, and it says here that he walked with God. 
Now, in the book of Genesis, when you hear that phrase that he walked with God, that meant that this person had a particularly good relationship with the Lord God, knew God, believed God, trusted God. He walked with God. And so God tells this man that is his friend, build this ark. Build it to these specifications. I will send animals to you that they might be in the ark. And you and your wife and your three sons and their wives. I used to always do a trivia question. What was Noah's wife's name? <laughs> Mrs. Noah. <laughs> Good answer. She remains unnamed. But let me tell you, didn't those three girls marry well to be included in the ark? So God, in his great mercy, even though he is about to destroy all of the earth, God, in his great mercy, he maintains a legacy. He maintains a remnant. He plans to start over with Noah and his family. And he also maintains that which he has created in the animals. Now he does this. We always wonder when some great judgment of God comes upon our planet, our lives, whatever it may be. Is God angry at us? Is God after us? Is God wanting us to do something different? Is God just not caring about what happens to us? People ask those questions, and they are fair questions that sometimes are easily answered and sometimes not so easily answered. For I have the question of why in the world did this great hurricane just have to sit on top of the Bahamas for two days? But still, here, it is now God demonstrating and he wants to start over. He wants a new beginning. And so the ark is built. We know the story. The ark is built. The rains become. The animals are gathered. Noah and his family enter the ark. God closes the door of the ark, and the flood waters come. And as the children knew, 40 days and 40 nights that it rained. And the earth, as far as we know, was covered. We know that the water would recede, and we know that one day Noah would send out a bird, and then another, and finally a dove who brought back an olive branch in its mouth, what we use as a symbol of peace to this day. We know that the ark would come aground. The Bible says it was on Ararat, the mountain, and we know that Noah and his family and the animals came out and that 
history began anew. That is what the story of Noah tells us, that history began anew. When Jesus died on the cross, that was just ordinary history. Something that happened every day. Something that occurred all the time in the Roman world. Something that was as ordinary as going to the store to get bread from the baker or meat from the butcher. Crucifixions happened every day. But when God raised his son Jesus from the dead, a new history began. A new creation of which Jesus was the first fruit of that creation. A reboot but this time, not just on an earthly plane, but in the cosmic, in the heavenly, in the spiritual realm, a rebirth, a new way, a new history, a new means of living, a new promise, one in which sin would not corrupt, one in which sin would be forgiven by blood shed, that blood of the Son of God. So you see, the story of Noah, Noah is almost a precursor. The story of the flood is almost a foreshadowing. It was the beginning of the new creation there in Noah's time. A different world but a world that would soon pick up its old habits. But it pointed to a greater grace. And that was the grace of God's Son. We read in Matthew that Jesus is telling his disciples that you always need to be watching. You don't ever know when things will change. And what does he mean? He means when the world will change, when life will change. He says it will be like the days of Noah when there were two men in a field and one was taken and one was left. Two women grinding at the mill. One was taken and one was left. He calls us to watch, to be prepared. As Christian people, we can watch and we are prepared when we know the Lord Jesus Christ and we call on Him as our Lord and Savior. We will not fear the flood. We will not fear the fire that might fall from the sky. We will not fear that this life is all that there is. We will not fear illness, disease, violence, sickness, death. Because we belong to a greater creation.
we belong to the kingdom of God. And finally, much is made of the story of Noah. We like to idealize it. We like to think of it in nice terms of animals and everybody being taken care of. But the true story of Noah is the power of God to make things new. On a grand scale like this, and on a personal scale like this, the individual human heart. Over the course of one's life, there are many different times in which things become different. Our lives are, if you will, rebooted. But those who trust in the Lord and who have their hope in his son, Jesus Christ, we know that such times as that are for our good, for our own richness, for God's own purposes, that his will for us will be done. The flood is an important story. It is one to be read not as a children's story, but with our eyes wide open to see the power and the grace of God at work. Thanks be to God who blesses us with his word this day. Amen.